Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Harbor, a safe space to have awkward conversations related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Selena Caesar Chavan, who is your host, and we welcome you to enjoy this series where we discover and unpack things around equity and justice that are often not talked about, probably haven't been considered, and ways to advance going forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Harbor, a safe place to have very candid conversations around equity, diversity, and inclusion, and especially the road to justice and reconciliation. Today, we're going to have a very dynamic conversation about none other than labels, labels we put on ourselves, labels we put on others, and what the impacts of those are. Today, I have two very interesting guests with me, Mahadeo and Ryan, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves as they enter the safe place called The Harbor. Ryan, over to you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're here at The Harbor. Hi, everyone. So my name is Ryan Trong, and I'm a first-year medical student here at Queen's who, hey, went, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> who went through the QRMs pathway. Um, and I'm originally from Hamilton, Ontario, and I'm hoping to have a lovely discussion with everyone here today. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Ryan. And Mahadale, tell us who you are and why you're here having this safe conversation at the harbor. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Mahadio, uh, Mahadio Sukai. I am adjunct faculty in the Department of Ophthalmology and also the Vice President Research and International Affairs and Chief Accessibility Officer for the CNIB, Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Um, I'm originally from Georgetown, Guyana, uh, and hey. uh, a uh, newcomer to Canada, newcomer as in 30 years plus, um, <laughs> but I'm still a newcomer. Thank you very much. Uh, and and so so we can we can start there when we talk about labels. For sure. Well, why don't we just start there? Because let me tell you, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about challenging the labels that usually are attributed to me. Again, for people who don't know who are listening for the first time, I'm the host of The Harbor, Selena Caesar Chavan, and I identify as a cisgendered Black woman. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And the the, the challenge that I have, um, the other day I was looking at Sylvia Duckworth, who is a teacher, 30-year teacher in Toronto, award-winning, and she has this wheel of power. If you Google it, you'll see the wheel of power at the center of the wheel of power based on multiple intersecting identities are people that have power. On the outside, usually people who look like me is labeled marginalized. And I keep thinking, why would I continue to label myself as marginalized, especially people on the outside of that wheel who have had to navigate heteronormative structures and do so quite successfully? Doesn't that navigation also have power? So, Maddale, I'm going to turn it over to you to continue that thought that you had around a newcomer, around these 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 words that we use or are often attributed to us that are labels. So, I I think I think it's 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 a fascinating question, right? So, I'm a newcomer. I'm a South Asian male. I'm cisgender. I'm uh, part of a double income household. I have a lived experience with a disability. Blah 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 blah. All of those are labels. But all of those are labels that are effectively given to me 
by somebody who is the exact opposite of all of those things <laughs> in many ways. And, and so, so somebody's, somebody's identified me because human beings love to identify things. Human beings love to categorize things. And, um, and, and evolutionarily on the African savanna and one and a half million years ago, that was probably a very good thing. <laughs> Today, that level of categorization, I think, causes problems because what ends up happening is is the people who are in power are the ones who define those labels. Mm. And if the people in power are the ones defining the labels, then those of us who aren't in power are, are the recipients of those labels. And so then the question becomes two things. One, do we claim those labels? Do we own them as our own? And do we redefine them for ourselves as opposed to what somebody else has made them for us? That's one. And then two, do those labels not also mean that we have a certain set of lived and living experience and lived and living expertise that in and of itself is different than sort of the spaces of privilege and the spaces of power, but our lived and living expertise is still meaningful and still useful and still actually tells a story that that allows us to move through the world and, and move through the spaces in which we choose to inhabit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that goes back to that original point of, you know, we're marginalized, but there is a certain degree of power that you have to have to navigate these spaces that weren't set up for you or with you in mind necessarily. And how do you start to really reclaim? What does that process look like? Ryan, over to you, just opening thoughts on on the labeling um, that has either been ascribed to you or that you put on yourself. I think labeling is so interesting. And when we talk about reclaiming labels, um, building off some of the ideas, like we have told people you fit into these boxes and sometimes, and I think traditionally it's you fit into these boxes and that's why this is an issue with you or there's certain things tied to that. And I think what's really cool about labels and where we're going today is the ability to, again, like we said, reclaim, redefine or represent what these boxes or these categories, these people who truly are. Mm -hmm. um, I think about like myself, uh, for example, like going to an inner city high school for the first two years and then switching high schools to the nicer, more middle-class high school that had mm -hmm. like an IB program. And I think, you know, when I tell people I'm from, I went to the inner city high school, I went to one of the worst um, elementary schools and high schools in the province for a long time. And I switched and now I'm here where I am today as a medical student, people are like, what? Like, and that, so I, I, and I, I think for myself, I'm very fortunate to have been able to do pretty cool things. And then from there, I, I'm very proud of telling people, you know, like I went to this high school, I did these things and this is where we are now. And I think it's really helpful to just try and claim those labels, especially if you've climbed through, like you're saying, these, these challenges that the system has like imposed on people mm -hmm. and then telling people, this is my story. This is where we are today. And then I guess for me, trying to inspire uh, which kind of ties into my work, which I forgot to uh, mention in the introduction, running the outreach and summer program here for Queens and equity deserving youth um, in, the in the Kingston and surrounding community get exposed to the health sciences. So really claiming those identities and a big part of our program is also trying to show students that, you know, we have a ton of diversity within the faculty, within students, within community, and they don't actively tell their stories, but here are some of the snippets. They are you and you can do amazing things. So don't feel alone in that. I love that. I love, I love the fact that you not, you're not just reclaiming, but you're also like total, totally busting those myths and busting those stereotypes. Talking about getting outside of the, the box, like the label box, you just Forget the box. Our stories may not fit into a box. Our stories may not 
fit into some nice narrative. So we reclaim that. And in that reclaiming, we also inspire. We also say this doesn't have to be your sort of life lot to sit in this box because you went to this high school. It doesn't mean that these dreams and these aspirations cannot be yours. So it's a, it's a, it's more than just reclaiming. It's about changing everything that, you know, a young person may think about themselves. Mazzy, I want to go back over to you in uh, talking about, you know, the hierarchies, like to the to Ryan's point, you know, you you go to a high school and then there's a sort of a trajectory that you you follow versus go to a different place and your whole trajectory is absolutely d- different. What how do the hierarchies of these labels continue to perpetuate certain harms or influences or benefits? So so Celine, let's 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 back up. I'm gonna pick up on something mm-hmm. that Ryan just said. What's a label? Yeah. A label's another name for an expectation. Hmm. Right? And and so so labels come with expectations. Ryan, you went to an inner in in an inner city, ooh, my words, inner <laughs> city high school. You went to an inner city high school. There's an expectation that comes of somebody who has gone to an inner city high school, mm-hmm. right? There's an expectation that comes of somebody who goes to a school with an international baccalaureate program. There's an expectation that comes when you talk about the blind brown boy from the sticks. That, that's that's what my sister said at one point when when we were talking about something that, that I had accomplished, right? There's an expectation that comes from being a cisgender black woman. There's a there's an expectation that comes from every every label that we put upon a situation. Again, mm. the, the the African savanna from 1.5 million years ago. There's a lion. The lion's a label. The expectation that is attached to the lion is he's going to eat me, hmm. right? Perfectly valid from an evolutionary perspective. Then socially today, those expectations are problematic because because the expectation actually causes us just a tiny bit to subliminally forget that we're all homo sapiens. We're all people, we're all we're all human beings. Um, and, and so the labels today aren't necessarily as valuable as perhaps they once were, or maybe they're being applied in spaces that, that they shouldn't necessarily be applied in. So so the hierarchy. So so I come back to to sort of the 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 litany of of intersecting identities that that I may I may call out. So um newcomer, South Asian, Indo-Caribbean, cisgender man um with lived experience with disability double income household blah 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 right but the moment i say lived experience with disability the moment i say mm. born blind then every other label suddenly doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. and and so so the issue of hierarchy becomes this sort of weird subconscious order of prioritization the moment somebody mentions a disability the moment somebody mentions um a, a quality of lived experience that that isn't um, that isn't you know able-bodied heteronormative and 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 I'm going to touch on why disability is particularly problematic in this space. What ends up happening is the fact that I'm a Indo-Caribbean cisgendered man newcomer gets left to one side. And, oh, you're blind, right. right? And the thing is that disability touches everybody. But it actually does touch everybody and 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 it touches everybody in unique ways that are all dependent upon who we are as human beings, as opposed to just 
it, it touches everybody. So my experience as a, as, as a person with sight loss isn't going to be the experience of a 65-year-old um, cisgender white woman who's just losing her eyesight because of age-related macular degeneration, mm. right? Because she's got a different experience than me because I was I was born blind and I wasn't born here and and I have I have different I have different uh, sort of cultural mores and, and beliefs sort of coming to the table and 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 so so part of the issue of hierarchy of labels is 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 there's there's all of these categories and categories are funny things because the human brain um, is is not really wired to understand that somebody can be in multiple categories simultaneously Honestly. right. And so, so we put people in a box. Um, I think Ryan, that was your term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so we we put people in a box, and, and people can only be in one box. People can't be in ten boxes. People have to be in one box. And so, then we have to prioritize the box that people go in. Um, and the funny thing about disability is, is it, it's a simultaneously at the bottom of a hierarchy and at the top of a hierarchy. Um, it, it's at the bottom of of the 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 participation in society hierarchy, and it's at the top of the labels hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Wow. We we went into we went to church with that one. We, <laughs> we, we just have to say amen after that one. <laughs> because you're absolutely right. And it contributes, Ryan, to othering. Like you're you're right. You can't put them in 10 different boxes. But we never asked to be in the box in the first place. As you said, Matt Dale, these labels came from people that were in power. So the the othering aspect. How, talk to me, Ryan, talk to me a little bit about th- that part of th- the potentially most harmful part of, of this process of lab- labeling or setting expectations through labels. I think building off of Mahadeo's ideas too, I think it really comes down to in some degree intersectionality, right? We, I think, and that's where we need to burst that box right? and have everything kind of intersect and have people acknowledge that you can have this one category, this one label assigned to you, and then also be so much more or have really like other qualities going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, when we consider um, like when I tell people like my story of, oh, like I went to this high school or I did this. And then people are like, wait a second, these boxes are, why, what's happening here? Like these, they're, they're conflicting, they're, they're, ba- they're, they're merging. <laughs> and I think that's where, um, when we just, like, again, talk about that hierarchy and like trying to break that down and like have these conversations and have everything come together and intersect, we have to start having conversations and I guess breaking those barriers, mm-hmm. allowing people to see that these boxes are not like only, it's not like black and white. Right. There's so much more that comes together ultimately at the end of the day that define who someone can, who someone is, um, and what they contribute and how meaningful they are. Um, and I think that that's my biggest like takeaway as someone who's like kind of navigated, I guess, even like the post secondary realm, coming you know out of high school only a few years ago, right. and realizing that whoa, this is a very different culture <laughs> than what I'm used to, <laughs> or like I didn't realize this, or like coming even that culture shock switching the two schools, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, and I think it's so easy from both sides to other. Right. Um, and that's what gets dangerous. Like I, when I was at my first high school, everyone was like, oh, those rich snobby kids at whatever school. And then the other kids would be like, oh, those really gross kids at whatever. But the, the empathy and the realization that there are other things going on mm-hmm. is forgotten at times. And right. I think that's where we need to start remembering that people, everyone can do great things. We have great people out there. And when people share their stories, people start realizing this. And also that 
you know, maybe we need to listen and like start thinking and like listen to people's unique stories. Mm -hmm. um, like there are, I think of like people who after, so after my first high school actually closed, we had some students come to that second high school. And I remember talking to people after like the merge all happened and people were like, wow, I didn't realize that like people from that school could be so cool, like, yeah. or they were so great. Like we just thought you didn't work hard or whatever. But when you really, when it comes down to it, people realize, oh, so-and-so actually had to work a part-time job to put food on the table and help mom and dad or help take care of brother and sister. And I think that's where, I don't know if I answered your question, no, but. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's not like, I would love to have a comment. Go ahead, go ahead, jump in, uh, Dale. So, so, so this is an audio podcast. I just raised my finger because <laughs> that, that, that's how one is conditioned to get attention um, from moderators and people in positions of, I'm going to use the word power. Um, and and so, so, so here's, here's the interesting thing, actually two interesting things about what you just said, Ryan. First of all, labels can contradict each other. Mm. That's important, right? Yeah. So, so I started grade nine when I was 10, right? Um, but I've, I've also, I've also through all the variety of other labels that we've talked about, identified that, that I was born blind. So, so you don't get kids starting grade nine when they're 10 and starting university when they're 15, if they're also blind, because there, there's a, there's, there's a cognitive dissonance that goes there because you've, you've put a label around somebody that label comes with expectations. So when you actually add a second label where those expectations are contradicted, to some degree, it's it's not it's not mind blowing. It's actually mind warping. It it, it <laughs> distorts how people sort of think about the world, and and people don't like distorting how they think about the world. So so labels can be contradictory, but but we're human beings. We contain multitudes, right? Right, and and so so you know all is possible because we are actually people. We're mm. not we're not boxes. Um, so that's that's one thing that's that's fascinating. The second thing is you're absolutely right. Labels are context dependent, and labels are not static, right? And and so so the interesting thing. I'm a geneticist by training, so I'm going to get into I'm, I'm going to get into determinism for a moment here. Okay. Right. So oh. so 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 labels are 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 conceptually like traits in people's minds, mm -hmm. right? And traits are static things, right? But but traits evolve, right? Traits change with time. I have I have a three month old, and her eye color is in flux. Yeah. Her hair color is in flux, and these are things that we're taught in in grade eleven biology are absolutely static traits. They do not change. And I look at my child, and they change every week, <laughs> right? And that's okay, yeah. right? And and so so all of the labels that that are put upon human beings by other human beings are also things that can be. To some degree in flux. Some, some will change more easily than others. Those things that are relational, those things where, where person A is being compared to person B, if you put person A in, in one setting and then you put them in a different setting, because the comparisons are now changing, the labels are going to change. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and, and there's other things that won't necessarily change, right? Um, but but labels labels aren't as fixed as, 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 as we as human beings think that they are. Right. The, the other thing that I actually am going to say is a little bit distressing um, in hearing your story, Ryan. Um, these are high school students. Right. Yeah. So so 14 to 18 year olds mm -hmm. putting labels around other 14 to 18 year olds. Why is this OK? 
Where did that come from, though? Like, it, I, you know, it, you, we know where it comes from, right? Yes. Like, sponges. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but, but again, why is that okay? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Your story, uh, Ryan. What and and what what Madale's starting to artic- or articulated here is our humanity. Where does our humanity get lost in this? This constant, you know, pull a sticker off. My name is Ryan, pull a sticker off. I went here, pull a sticker off there. You know, right now we're having this conversation about what to do with Q-arms. I don't know if that's a secret, but I'm putting it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Where, where's the future direction of, of Q-arms? And Q-arms, you know, right now at, at Queen's is, is particularly labeled based on one identifying factor of two groups of students, not taking into effect the multiple intersecting identities that students come with, including their socioeconomic status, including their their level of ability, including all of their other things. And so how do we start to switch gears? And you, you talked about it just with storytelling, but I'm, I'm hoping you could expand a little bit. How do we start to switch gears on this conversation and move away from the singular labeling that we know is problematic and we know could conflict and we know we are more than just our labels? What do we start doing? Oh, man, I feel like this is a question that the faculty has been trying to figure out as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to save the world on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I think it really comes down to and I think there are more and more organizations doing this being holistic in what we what we look for and what we're prioritizing and again, reflecting on our values, I guess, coming from as a medical student coming going into the healthcare world. Um, and having conversations with peers about even like the accelerated medical pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, we have to, like, we have to be holistic. We have to consider, you know, what are the, what's the intersectionality that happens? Which, how are these boxes smashing together and how are they combining? Um, and I think to some degree also figuring out where our priorities lie. Like with that, sorry to comment on this program a little bit more as someone who's gone through it and Please seen the changes. Yeah. Um, I think it's something we have to figure out of, do we, or do, what, what do we, what changes do we want sooner than later? Um, because with that, you know, like if you're, what you're saying, picking specific identities to enroll to the program and not maybe considering the other ones as heavily, um, we might increase representation and representation is just as important to some degree and having people, you know, who might come from less fortunate backgrounds who might not relate to those people who got selected um, immediately they still see someone that they can go, wow, that person is up there and I want to go up there too. Um, and I'm going to apply and I'm going to like get connected in that. There's like, we're growing this like network of representation within healthcare and health sciences. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if we can target a bit more in within those, you know, other identities that we need to bring into medicine and healthcare, um, then we get there a little bit quicker. It might be more work. I acknowledge it's never perfect. And I think that's my biggest takeaway of working uh, like running the outreach and summer program is we might have an idea we want to do our best but we'll never fully get it right and there's no f- true best way there might be you always have learning um after you do it but there's no true best way it, that's always obvious of how to get us to a more equitable place mm-hmm. but there is the, but the important thing is our intention is pure and then we're consulting the right people i think right Right. Um, I think we should be consulting you a little bit more, Ryan, to be be honest, because as I mean, and and you're absolutely right. This is a journey. 
you know, I, I opened by saying on the journey to reconciliation, on the journey towards justice, which is which is where we want to get to. We're removing those barriers that are in the way. And, and perhaps one of the biggest ones are labels, are the labels that we that we ascribe to to other people. Um, this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, I just want to turn it over to you, Mahadeo, to just any last words, any things that we that you wanted to get in that we didn't quite get to in this conversation in the harbor. Labels are a funny thing. Um, and and I, I think I think it's it's worth it to ask a question. What are labels good for? What we use them, right? Mm-hmm. We use them all the time. Um, we we use them to make choices, but what are they actually there for? That's that's one thing. The second thing is if if human beings persist in using labels, can we figure out a way to make sure that all labels are actually just just semantically created equal? And I'll give you an example. Yes, please. The linguistic root of the word disability, I took Greek and Latin for scientific terminology in first year and I memorized the dictionary. So I get to trot it out every so often. It's a great deal of fun. Um, and, and so, so the, the linguistic root of the word disability is Greek. Dis meaning not, that's the Greek prefix, and ability from habile meaning handy, meaning to be capable. So, so disability literally means to not be capable. Ouch. There's no other term in the inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility lexicon that is pathological in nature, except for that one. Ouch. Right? Yes. And so these terms are not created equal. And, And I will identify as a person living with sight loss. Will either of you identify as a person who is sighted? No, no. I, I never have to. Wow. So why do that. you never have to? I have to use the label, mm-hmm. right? And we've we've gotten we've gotten things to a space where you know we'll identify race, and and we've gotten the white people to the space where they will say I'm white. Fair enough, right? Mm-hmm. So so why not? You're sighted. Mm-hmm. Why not? You don't live with a disability. What? So so. So, so not all labels are created equal. Yeah. And if you're going to yeah. use the label, yeah. and if you're going to use the label to make choices, because that, that's what a lot of people like to use labels for, right? right? Because it's a categorization thing. So if you're going to use the label to define categories, not all categories are created equal right now. And when is that going to change? And at what point do we start to you know, take ownership of these words and take ownership of what they mean. Because if I'm going to be called person with a disability, then it's actually to my benefit to take over that terminology. And instead of all the negative connotations that go with it, give it my connotation that actually is is more holistically relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And and everybody, everybody should do that with labels. Right. Right. The, the 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 last thing I think actually the second to last thing I think I would say is, is labels are, are they're they're subversively dangerous things, mm-hmm. right? Because they're easy for people to absorb, they're easy for us to internalize, they're easy for us to use from a very young age to make choices and and to um to to sort of stratify and and categorize how we think about priorities and how we think about the world, 
right? It, it's it's a way of sort of saying, this is close to me. This is farther away from me. This thing that's close to me, I need to pay more attention to. This mm-hmm. thing that's farther away, I need to pay less attention to because it's not here yet. Right. Right. And and so that that's fundamentally and evolutionarily, that's what people use labels for. And and I'm sure there's any number of, of evolutionary psychologists who are going to demand to argue with me about this. Um, but even evolutionary psychologist is a label, by the way. Right. <laughs> because we label ourselves with our occupations as well. Right. Yes. Um, and, and so 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 labels exist for a purpose or existed for a purpose, as I said before, they don't have to exist anymore necessarily for the same purpose. We don't have to use them in the same way. And so when do we start to reclaim them and and, and sort of say, okay, fine, you're going to call me that? That's nice. But this is actually what it means as opposed to something else, right? And then, then use that to start to say, all right, if you're going to make decisions, then you make the right kinds of decisions. You know, the interesting thing, People don't talk about reverse ageism very much, mm-hmm. right? Um, do you know how many times I actually got rejected from something because I was too young? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That that's that's the thing about starting high school when you were 10 and starting university when you're 15. Right. Right? You get to a certain point and people are sort of like, you're actually too young to be here and you're too blind to be here, whatever that means. Right? right? right. And and so so if, if we want to do away with all of this, the best way to do away with all of this is to start with my newborn daughter who hasn't learned labels as yet. Mm-hmm. And simply never teach them to her, right. right? Right, and make sure that she's not exposed to them. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't do that. I can, I can make sure that if she is exposed to them, that that they don't warp her thinking. Um, and I can also teach her what labels should mean and and can mean when used well and used right. Right, right. But until we actually tackle that generational problem, then all we're doing is we're living in a system where we've said labels exist. People use labels. It's a, it's a system I can't change today, and so I'm not going to try. Mm-hmm. But the way to change it is to recognize that at some point, every one of us on this call is going to die, and somebody else is going to take our place. Mm-hmm. And if those people are still talking about labels 80 years from now, 100 years from now, then we haven't done anything. Yeah. You know, you say... Um, you know, you ask the question, do those labels need to exist anymore? And it, and it it really struck me because even in how I identify myself, you know, as Black, this, the social construct of race, which was used to perpetuate the enslavement of African Indigenous people based on their warped um uh, ideas at the in, in the 1700s to to perpetuate enslavement um, is is critically important. Do I continue to use the social construct of blackness to identify myself, or do I change that language? Or it's do a, you it's, it's or a, do you take ownership of of what you want it to mean? To, to mean right, right. Very powerful. Thank you for that, uh, Ryan. Last word is over to you. Wow. Um, I, t- I took some notes while Mahade was speaking. <laughs> I know. Because I was I'm like, notes too. Very quietly because I didn't want it to pick up on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have a few points. So I think the reality is labels are here and it's part of our psychology, our nature, and we can't get around them. And I think that's where really it becomes important. My take home message of how like I try to navigate like my life and how I try to navigate 
empathy and working with people um, every day. So we have our monkey or lizard brain, whatever you want to call it. And I think what's really cool about being human is we're so good at being able to identify and quantify or like, I, like talk about this concept right now, but we fall victim to our own brains. Um, and it's hilarious to me and it's scary to me. Um, but I think what's really important is we need to reflect and think about how are we treating other people? How are we using these labels? And ultimately, I think my line that has stuck with me over the past few years that might get censored on this podcast is the world is a shitty place. Why make someone else's life harder? Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if you are going to think something about someone, why don't you give them the benefit of the doubt? Or why don't you try to work with them in the best capacity? Maybe you'll inspire yourself. Maybe you will learn something from this experience of being open and reflective. And then I think something that I also wanted to add to end off here is I think there's been this tendency for when people aren't as caught up as the rest of us. And I'm still learning too. Don't I don't like to use the term the rest of us, but when people you interact with aren't as caught up with whatever lingo or whatever we should be using helping them grow, letting them know, being like, hey, like Selena, like I know like um, you, you said this and I know that it was okay, but this is actually why people are starting to move away from that. And I, I just wanted to let you know, and I hope that you would consider changing your language mm-hmm. opposed to going, everyone, um, do you hear that Selena said this? We should cancel her. Or um, I think she's a really bad person because that's ultimately not productive. We're, right. we're pushing away the two sides. We're creating a very divided groups of people. And I think it is everyone's job to play this role of being compassionate, embracing that learning, pulling everyone in and creating the space where we can talk. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong, where I have a really strong opinion, then maybe you go, oh, maybe he, maybe I'm going to have a conversation with Ryan and, you know, like trying to explain. And maybe if he doesn't take it well, I'm going to let him sit with it because sometimes we're really fixed. We, or maybe we identify with something a certain way where we've, we've been taught this for so long and that we need a moment. But I I think my approach to working with other people who have opinions or beliefs that I don't necessarily agree with or are not forward thinking or not inclusive is how can I pull you in? And how can I help you understand how? And I think for me and my approach has always been story. Mm-hmm. How like I think when you use a story and you can try and get people to relate and understand where you're coming from or where things have gone, you are able to really engage people and break that wall. And you don't want that wall to go up initially. So I would, and you don't want that wall to stay up or if it's already up, break it down, share stories, get to know people, fight that lizard brain (laughs) that wants to, you know, other people or, you know, I I learned a bit of psych way back and in groups and out groups and people, you know, like you want other people to bring yourself up or to feel of your own importance and just acknowledging that and starting to think about, did I do this or did I say this because... I wanted something for myself that I didn't realize, or I, 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 I something I value is hit that I don't realize is driving this thought process. Hmm. Hmm. Stories are sticky. Stories are sticky. That's what I kept thinking about. That was you were you were talking about stories and how one of the ways to to sort of move this conversation along and see our humanity and see ourselves outside of the the boxes that are we are tended to put in is by telling those stories. Uh, Ryan also touched on cancel culture. So if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, 
from the harbor. I suggest you go to that <laughs> one next uh, and listen to that uh, with Terry and Ishana, a great podcast uh, on the harbor. But I do want to thank you, Ma Dale, and I do want to thank you, Ryan, for a excellent conversation about something as simple and a complex as labels. Uh, thank you both for being here and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, I do want you to enjoy the rest of the podcast uh, with the Harbor and remember that the Harbor is always a safe place to have very interesting conversations as we continue this journey towards reconciliation and justice. Thank you, Mahadeo. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs>